G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is a round 23 preview, the final home and away round of the AFL season. Everything up for grabs, final spots on the line, the all-important finishing order on the line. It's all happening. It's going to be a massive few days of footy. It's already been a massive few days of footy. Big week on the news front. We've got plenty to talk about there. As ever, we are proudly brought to you by Palmerbet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. As I say, a very good morning to my Footyology podcast co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw. How are you, Shorey? I'm very good, Rowan, and good morning to our listeners. It is, um, well, it's uh, no getting around the huge news of the last few days, which is uh, a club close to our hearts and experience, the Essendon Football Club, having blown a gasket, really, in the wake of that uh, shocking performance against Port Adelaide. There's change at the top. Will there be change in the coach's box? We're going to talk all about that, but... Uh, let's not forget the main business of this show here, and that is about the games themselves. And, uh, well, like I said, all to play for. We've got some comprehensive previews of Round 23 coming up. Let's not beat around the bush anymore. Let's get straight into it. On Footyology Newsfeed. Well, it was only uh, one non-game-centred football bit of news to talk about, and uh, that involves the Essendon Football Club. Uh, It all blew up on Monday morning following that debacle against Port Adelaide. Uh, There was a board meeting on Sunday. The upshot of that was that Paul Brasher stood down as Essendon president He has been replaced by media executive Dave Barham, leading a group of six on that Ted Person board who are pushing for change. Uh, And, of course, immediately that happened. That then reopened speculation about whether Essendon would make a bid for master coach Alistair Clarkson, Ben Rutten's uh, job looking increasingly precarious, Uh, As we record this, which I should stress is on Wednesday morning, Ben Rutten, still the coach of Essendon, um, did admit yesterday turning up for work that it uh, wasn't ideal, Uh, certainly isn't, and a lot of speculation, even if Clarkson doesn't come aboard now, whether Rutten can indeed stay, knowing he is not the preferred candidate. There has been contact of sorts between the Clarkson camp and Essendon, Uh, But that's just another element. And uh, the bigger one, uh, I guess, is what we've been talking about a lot. That is the state of the entire Essendon Football Club. Uh, There's a lot of jobs on the line here, as well as the presidency, the CEO, Xavier Campbell, his position 
has to be tenuous. You'd have to say the position of football manager Josh Marnie more tenuous than it was. List manager Adrian Dodoro, where's he at? We haven't really heard anything about uh, any sort of relationship or the state of play between he and the prospective new coach, Alistair Clarkson. And uh, for once, Essendon not leaking like a sieve, which is interesting in itself. And uh, there's been a lot of speculation in the last 48 hours, but not a lot of information really coming out. Uh, I've spoken in various forums already about what I think, but I'm very, very interested, and I think all our listeners are too, to hear the views of uh, your good self, Mr. Shaw. So first of all, before we talk about the coaching position, how have you seen the events of the last couple of days? Well, are we surprised with our club and the extent of uh, leadership, um, self-preservation, control, um, self-interest? No, I'm not at all. Um, But we do have to take ourselves back to the fact that um, there was a very strong push for an external forensic review, which given the light of the last 10 years, last 15 years or whatever, is, I think, exceptionally good business. And I actually went on the record with the Herald Sun and said that. I sort of half got held down by Paul Brasher. Um, Robert needs to come out here and have a look. Well, I've been coming out to the Essendon Football Club since I was 17 years of age, Paul. And um, while I haven't got a handle or I haven't got uh, uh, contacts feeding me information because I won't allow that, I won't compromise my friendships, that I have at the football club, I thought it was a great idea. But once again, um, that got defeated. Uh, the report was submitted by uh, Josh Marnie and it it is unbelievable that the two people that were asked to do the internal review in Campbell and Marnie, and this is not personal, Ron, this is pure business, should have been the subject of the external review. So whether they're being protected or – and it's quite clear that David Barham and six members of the board saw that as an unsatisfactory process and a very, very unsatisfactory report presented by Josh Marnie and things came to a head. I don't believe this is can be or is about the coach and to one average result and one poor result. You can't have a knee-jerk. After after about eight weeks of very good form, progress, settled side, good structure, you have a couple of shockers. Well, you don't – well, do you? It is Essendon. Do you um, have a knee-jerk reaction based on the fact that, A, Clarkson is sitting there, and, B, there's two poor performances? All right. Well, let's try and split those two things, the club and the coaching position, right? So let's talk about the club issue first. What I think is crucial here is, I let me say here, I've, I'm really glad Dave Barham is taking over as president. I, I've worked with Dave uh, a long time ago, but when I in the Optus Vision pay TV days, I, I, for six years I did a show called Football Feedback and Dave's production company then called Viewcast um, produced that show. So uh, it's a long time ago, but he's had a very successful career since then working with Channel 7 and Channel 10 
uh, with the cricket and the football and uh, highly regarded. He's a good people person. I think he's a really good appointment. But, uh, you know, we're, we've been quite open about this. We think that, uh, well, I don't want to speak on your behalf, but Xavier Campbell is an issue here. And I, I think if the chairman changes um, and the coach changes, particularly because Xavier Campbell is sort of hitched inextricably to Ben Rutten's tenure as coach. How can the CEO possibly stay in those circumstances, regardless of whether he's had a two-year contract extension earlier this year, which I think of all the litany of blunders Essendon Football Club's made, I think that is the most reprehensible because that was very premature by anyone's reckoning, I think. But in these circumstances, if a chairman changes and the coach does change, how can the CEO possibly stay in those circumstances, Robert? Well, can we go back to the uh, the off-field external reviews of the uh, Carlton Collingwood and even before that, the Melbourne Football Club that uh, not only changed CEOs but key personnel in list management and sometimes in football management? I And um, those three clubs have had uh, outstanding reaction to that. It's unified those clubs. We are not a unified club. There is discussion and talk of toxic relationships of um, uh, searches for control of power, of personal agendas, all these things above what is right for the football club. And my opinion is, having watched um, uh, this evolve from afar, that many, many, if not all of these decisions are based on what people want, A, for themselves, and B, for their for their own image and own power. It's never about what is absolutely the best thing to do for the Essendon Football Club. I'll take it even further. If Adrian, 25-year friendship, no doubt about that, right? But we're able to separate that. I have nothing against Josh and Xavier. If I run into them at football, it's a very cordial and very friendly discussion, folks. But I'm about the business of Essendon. And if there is conflict... If there is control, if there is power, then there is nothing. You're right, Rowan. We have a new chairman. We could have a new coach. But if that middle group stays the same, it doesn't matter if we fly Sir Alex Ferguson out from Aberdeen. It won't change because the dynamics of people and their agendas and their beliefs will still uh, have a semblance of control. So why this sounds, last one, why this sounds quite uh, controversial, people have got to understand it, it, it's not the coach, it's not the chairman, it is the group dynamic. We have to fix the group dynamic. And if that means that Xavier, Josh and Adrian have to leave their post and we start again in that middle area of executive management, list management and, above all, football management, then so be it. That's the way it should be. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree entirely. I, I think this is a once in a couple of decade opportunity to clear the decks and and to rebuild a club which has become quite not just toxic. It's not just about the the power grabs and whatever, and, and they are a huge part of it. But this is a club which I think has lost its soul for various reasons. That's part of it. The move to the hangar is part of it. That's not to say that that 
those premises are tainted and they've got to go back to Windy Hill. I mean, that can't happen. But they could, they need to remake a whole club. They need to reconnect with the support base, which is totally disillusioned and disenfranchised. That support base needs to feel part of the club again. I think the attempts to do that have been very ham-fisted. None of this can happen unless there's a real clearing of the decks at every level, but most importantly, that hands-on management level, which is the case now. So if Dave Barham ends up becoming the only change of this, or even if Dave Barham and Alistair Clarkson come in, I would argue that that other tier you've just talked about, that has to change as well. Otherwise, you're still going to have the remnants of that sort of toxic culture hanging around. Let me throw another hand grenade in here too. Um, I, I have mentioned this on, on Western Australian radio yesterday, but the, I can't stress enough the level of dissatisfaction internally at that club. There has been a revolving door of people coming in and out of that club, not just in the football department to wit. Now, you know, some some serious allegations came up about um, treatment of women at that, that club. Now, there's been, I think, five, or five or six senior Essendon women who have departed the club just in the last seven or eight months. Now, this hasn't really come to light. Um, it has now. Well, okay. It, it Go has on now. with it. Because, I'm, I'm not well, okay with this. Keep okay, going. Because some serious questions need to be asked about this. They are serious questions indeed that need to be answered. Um, the, the most recent example, uh, Alexandra Stewart, the, the media manager, um, I wasn't even aware of this until I got back from Bali. But, um, you know, she uh, has left as well. Um, you you weren't aware of this? No. No, I knew Lisa, uh, long, uh, Xavier's long-term PA, who's been a terrific, and I will say this, a terrific person and conduit to the, um, to the Players Association. All right, well, they hit the list of five. Lisa uh, Rossetti, who, who you're talking about, she's the EA to Xavier Campbell. Lisa Laurie, General Manager of People, she went to the AFL. Jess Newman, uh, General Manager of Strategic Ops and Community, she's gone. Charlotte she was a Miller, ripper. She's Charlotte a ripper. Miller, Head of AFLW, VFLW Operations. Mm. Alexandra Stewart. And one more, and actually I was unaware of this until literally yesterday, um, the very successful VFLW side, which won the premiership. I don't know if you've heard it. I'm told uh, Brendan Major, the coach of that side, he has actually handed in his resignation as well. Uh, yeah, I, I, look, I'm not I'm not across that other than the fact that Charlotte and, and, and Major built that... Uh, Let's call it a franchise. The VFLW, uh, yeah, the VFL women's team up from, which was basically uh, witches' hats to a premiership team, um, and they're and, then, and they're both gone. No, they're all gone. Matt Matt D, who I think was the assistant coach, so yeah, they're all gone. They're all gone to replace by a whole new team for the AFLW team. Well, I asked someone yesterday, why are they gone? They've just won a premiership. And the answer was they're, they're sick of the, the toxicity of that club. So that goes actually beyond the female okay. question. But that female question is a massive one, given what was talked about earlier this year. 
so that's just to give you an example. This isn't just about a coach or a, or a football manager. This is a whole club where people are leaving left, right and centre. That can't continue. No, exactly. And I've uh, I've worked with Jess Newman, and this is all through my role on the committee the last three years. I'm not on it this year because you have three-year terms. Um, what committee at, is that? Hang on. Uh, the committee? Essendon Football Club Past Players and Officials Association. Okay. Formerly chaired by Barry Capuano now, yep. and it's a wonderful organisation yep. and do a great job. And Jess Newman was was a wonderful contributor to that and Lisa Rossiti in the last year has taken on the responsibility of the conduit between the past players and the club and she was doing a marvellous job too. Uh, Charlotte Miller was outstanding in her role as operations manager of the VFLW and I've never met and I don't know the other two, two women. So there's three people there that I know have made amazing contributions to the Essendon Football Club. All right. So we're talking about this as an example of how this is a club problem. Let's now talk about the coaching issue. Now, I would say here, and I've been, people have had a go at me the last couple of days about being, I'm saying I'm contradicting myself because I've now talked for probably three years, close to three years about how this is a club, not a coach or list issue. I still believe that, right? So people are now saying to me, why are you talking about Clarkson and not saying let's get the club right, then worry about the coach? And it's an absolutely valid question. My response to that is simply that I believe Alistair Clarkson is quite possibly one of the best handful of coaches the game has ever seen. Now, that's I can argue, I can justify my opinion on that in, a, in another time and place, but the opportunity is there to go and get that man, that opportunity won't be there if the club waits until this review is conducted and all these other things have been shaken out. That's going to take some time. And I would hate to see that cost them one of the best coaches in history. I think this is one occasion where you throw the kitchen sink at trying to get this bloke, just give him some sort of, guarantee that these things are going to be seen to and then you make sure this guy gets around him the support that he needs at every level to uh, revive the fortunes of this club on the field because this guy is a master coach. He remade Hawthorne three times. He had them playing different brands of football. He remade them with different personnel He's coached four premierships. He's a tactical genius. Yes, he has his difficulties and eccentricities, but with the right people around him, that isn't an issue. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get one of the great coaches, and I think the club has to follow that. How, what do you think on the on the coaching issue? Oh, well, I'd, I'd not, not disagree, Rowan, but I'll, I'll, if you consider what uh, the likes of Lee Matthews and even yourself, not even, Rowan, I'm sorry, uh, the key pillars of any successful organisation are the working relationships and the strength and the character and the ability to debate and argue and then not walk away and hide and sulk And uh, of the, the senior coach, the general manager of football operations, the list management, the CEO and the chairman. Mm. Every successful club, those five are the pillars of success. Mm. So before I answer your question, how is the operation the personal operation 
and the holistic operation of those five over a period of time at the Essendon Football Club. How has that gone, Rowan? Mm, not very well, very badly. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I do not put, so to answer your question, I yeah. do not put this on the coach and I refuse to. He was a young coach. Let's go yeah. back a couple of years. He was appointed on the recommendation of the CEO. So the CEO has hitched his wagon to this truck. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And appointed him without uh, due process, which if you go back to the saga, wasn't that the main thing that came out of the saga that Essen Football Club will never, ever, ever appoint people without due interview process, reference checking, everything. So we didn't interview Ross Lyon. We Mm. didn't interview Justin Longmuir. We didn't go searching for Craig McRae. We didn't look at uh, Dean Solomon. We just appointed this young man, right, did they go and get Neil Baum? Did they go and get Mark Williams, as Melbourne did? It's, you know, oh, yeah, but we got Carousel and June Syracuse. Mate, they've got their own job to worry about. This young coach needed, of 30 games, needed a strong mentor. And I rule myself out of this discussion because I wasn't involved in it. But Mark Williams was there. Neil Baum could have been extractive. This is your biggest challenge. And there's other experienced people. So the failure of Ben Rutten is about not about his coaching ability. It's about the environment that he was placed in and the lack of support that he was not offered, in my opinion, in any way, shape or form. Yeah, no, spot on. And and I've got an enormous amount of sympathy for Ben Rutten. And, and for what it's worth, I think if Clarkson didn't come aboard, I'd hope that Rutten would be allowed to serve out that last year of his contract. But... Again, I would say that you're, what you're saying is in a way backing up what I'm saying, and that is that I think Essendon, the way Essendon has operated for so long now, a, a, a first-time coach like a Rutten hasn't got a prayer because these outside forces are too strong. It brought down Matthew Knights. That's what brought him down. It was the influence of the, rightly or wrongly, you know, influential former players, coterie groups that that didn't like him and didn't want him. That's what brought him down. And this is another reason for me saying they have to get Clarkson. He has the runs on the board. He has the credibility. He's shown via his relationship with Jeff Kennedy Hawthorne that he's prepared to to take on a a big figure within the club and have a fight with them and prevail. I would argue that he is the only person capable pretty much of dealing with those Essendon football club forces without being defeated by them. And that's not a favorable comment on the club, but that's the way it is. And I I would argue until someone of that nature comes in and is able to fight those forces and prevail, then the club gets remade in someone's image. And if you turn back the clock 40 years, Rob, it, that's exactly what happened with Kevin Sheedy. Kevin Sheedy came to a, a mediocre club that was had historically been riddled with factions and political plays and whatever. He, most of his tenure, had to grapple with that, even then, even as successful as he was. But it took someone of that strength to be able to fight those forces and prevail. And that's another reason I think it needs someone like Clarkson in that position. On the proviso, like Sheedy also, they can't do that themselves, Rowan. This is the point I'm making. Um, Clarkson had Fagan. 
You yeah. saw the calming yeah. influence. You saw the the arguments they had in what was the best interest for Hawthorne. Sheedy had Donahue. Yeah. Right? Who who at times controlled the numbers and the board and supported Kevin with the help of, you know, Ron Evans and these sort of people. So Kevin was in a con- constant fight throughout his career too. Yeah. Um once again, um, so I'm saying that Alistair, does he bring in his own team? They're very good people at the Essendon Football Club. Whether their abilities have been allowed to flourish, I'm not sure. What would he – so um, have I sort of answered my my question? I, I'm going back to the, the lack of support that I saw for Ben Rutten because when they dismissed um, Dan Richardson, another Xavier Campbell appointment uh, – um, uh, they said we're looking for a strong, experienced football person, and my ears pricked up because you know I was interested in that myself. You know mm. that that can work with a young coach. Mm. So the appointment, nothing, nothing personal here. The appointment was Josh, who was moved aside by Gary Pert and replaced by a strong, experienced football person in Alan Richardson and bring in Mark Williams. Result, premiership. Okay, so so what do you think should happen with the coaching position? Your, your, your argument is very strong, Rowan. Mm. The capacity, your argument is very strong. Um, uh, but my alternative is that Clarkson can't do it himself or, or surrounded by the same people. I don't okay. care how good he is. Uh, uh, um, yeah, yeah, okay. So, but, uh, yeah. But and I'm with you too. I would yeah. keep Ben Rutten and go and get Mark Williams from Melbourne and add resources in player development, add resources tactically and in mentoring because I think he has the potential to be quite a good coach and he must not be judged on the last two games. Okay, so if you had a choice between that option and Alistair Clarkson, okay, which, yeah. which one would you take? Come on. Ah, oh, dear, Rowan. Goodness me. I know there's a pause here, folks. Um, Come on, a sale oh, of a century. Your buzz is going to go in so, a minute. Sale of the century. You've got to answer um, the question. I'd like to see Rutten, Rutten be given unequivocal support and um, with... Uh, a Mark Williams type. Um, is Clarkson coming? I don't know. Uh, your argument, oh, look, I'm. Okay. I, I don't like sacking a coach yeah, yeah. that hasn't been given yeah. the opportunity. I, okay, no, that's fine. I don't I, like that. And yeah. I feel for Ben Rutten. I've walked the green mile myself. Yeah, yeah. You with me? Yeah. And I, I know exactly how he's feeling now. Yeah, no, that's a perfectly valid answer. I just want to ask you one more question. If if Clarkson doesn't go to Essendon, do you think it's now tenable for Rutten to stay, given what's been said? I hope the clubs throw their support behind him and and say that we are going to throw, which is the which was the um, which was the additional. Uh, Hopeful result of the internal review that Brasher wanted incremental support, right? Yeah, Where the yeah. most of us, you and I including, uh, we're, we're calling for um, transformational, aren't we? Yeah. We want the joint transformed. Yeah. And this is where it came from. This is where all this started from. Yeah. Incremental, oh, we'll add someone. Well, you might have to do that. Anyway.
Yeah. Well, I mean, and and again, final word on this: the uh, coup, if you like, or takeover by the David Barham led faction. Uh, that is the start of a far more radical change, which is required. You don't now go half-assed on this again. Follow it through. This is a, this might be the last chance of restoring this club's fortunes. Take the opportunity. Clear the decks. That's my final word on this. And that's the final word on Essendon because that is a very long discussion, but I think it's one we needed to have. Uh, okay, let's concentrate on the footy now. Massive final round of home and away games coming up. Let's preview them. On Footyology. Previews with Punch. The final home and away round kicks off on Friday evening with a massive game at the Gabba, 7.50pm Eastern Standard Time. It sees Brisbane hosting Melbourne. Huge battle here for top four spots. Um, These two, two of four sides, all on 15 wins. A top four spot to be claimed uh, Palmer bet where you can get tackle busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. They have Brisbane as marginal favourites on their home deck. Uh, the Lions paying a dollar eighty head to head. Melbourne paying two dollars. Those odds as of Wednesday morning. Here's the situation: if Brisbane wins this game, it could finish second with a big win and a substantial loss by Sydney. But more likely that they would at least lock in a top four spot and end up in third or fourth spot and an away qualifying final. However, if the Lions lose, they could slip out of the top four. If Melbourne wins this game by a bit more than Sydney wins its game, and there's less than 1% difference between these two, the Demons will get second spot and host a qualifying final. If they lose this game, they could miss out on the top four and the double chance altogether. Stop giggling, Robert. These are the possibilities that have to be worked Mate, through. You're making the Essendon story sound very simplistic, <laughs> Rowan. Well, it's pretty complex. Um, <laughs> Brisbane's record at the Gabba is phenomenal. They've won 29 of the last 32 games there since the start of 2020. But Melbourne's record against Brisbane is very good. And, of course, they did defeat Brisbane in last year's qualifying final on the way to that flag. Melbourne have won seven of their last nine against Brisbane. How did Melbourne go at the Gabba? Pretty well. They've won four of the last six there. But only one of those wins has come against Brisbane. The others were in those hub-affected games. Um Brisbane have won four of their last five games now, so they've picked it up. And Melbourne have gone win-loss for the last seven games. Of course, that pattern was almost broken last week with a second consecutive loss until Cozzy Pickett bobbed up with a goal in the last 15 seconds against the Blues. So massive stakes here, Robert. Uh, We'll talk about uh, ins and outs and potential changes. How are you seeing this one? Well, I'm seeing that if Melbourne can produce their pressure game, and uh, it's an outstanding, well, it's a very interesting stat about the win-loss, win-loss sort of situation. So they haven't got it totally together. Uh, Melbourne, uh, you mentioned the Lions record at the Gab has got to be significant. But um, looking through these these matchups, you have the May, Petty, Lever versus McStay, Danaher and Hipwood, uh, challenge. So that's going to be significant in itself because both these teams, through their courtesy of their midfields, 
um, are going to get plenty of the footy. On on face value, Brisbane should win this because not only do they have those three tall blokes, um, they've still got Cameron, Bailey and McCarthy at ground level, which will keep the likes of Hibbert and Salem exceptionally busy, Rowan. So um, we can't say, can we say that about the inconsistencies of the Melbourne forward line? Well, there's some personnel issues for Brisbane, right, which are that uh, Callum Archie and uh, Marcus Adams are both going to miss through concussion. Now, ordinarily, I'd say that is that is very, very significant because their defence, it's a little bit dodgy and Adams is an important key pillar of that. But they're coming up against a forward setup which is hardly firing on all cylinders. And this is why Ben, I keep saying Ben Brown, is the most important player in that Melbourne lineup because I think if he fires, that it just gives him a whole different look. He's not firing. He's really struggling. He did bob up and kick an important late goal last week. Uh, he is capable of turning it around. But until that happens, I would argue that the absence of Adams and Archie isn't as significant as it might have been had Melbourne's forward line been firing. Do you agree with that? Oh, I absolutely agree with that. And as I said, um, I think the likes of uh, the outside pace of Zorko, the ball use of Rich, the creativity and smooth running of McCluggage um, sort of contrast to the in and under work of Oliver, uh, Viney, uh, Petrarca, uh, a a relentless midfield. So I think there's also conflicting styles. When have Brisbane been question marked? when people have applied pressure. And if Melbourne are still, until Geelong prove themselves, Melbourne are still the best team at applying physical pressure and to put question marks on the game plan of Brisbane. All right. Um, I'm I'm finding it incredibly hard to pick a winner here, and that's why I'm going to uh, allow you or direct you to give your tip first. Um, I'm concerned about Melbourne's forward line but I think they can do enough to uh, negate Brisbane. Their pressure game is second to none. If they bring it, Melbourne by four, uh, 13 points. I'm a huge fan of the Demons, um, and I, I'm a big believer, and I still think they can turn it around. But that forward issue just really worries me. And they they just got over the line against the Blues, who are hardly knocking them down. And it's at the Gabba. And it's just such a huge advantage. And given all those factors, any tip of Melbourne for me would be just an absolute hunch. And uh, I'm a conservative tipster, Robert. So I am going with Brisbane here. So Brisbane for me, I'm going to say by two points because I think it'll be that tight. <laughs> Good. So you're going Melbourne how many points? 13. 13. 13 points for you, Melbourne. Brisbane, two points for me. Okay, it should be a cracking game. Let's talk about Saturday. First game on Saturday afternoon is in Canberra. Marnica Oval, 1.45 p.m. Uh, it sees GWS up against Fremantle. Palmerbet give you tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Fremantle, uh, pretty hot favourites for this one, even on the road. The Dockers, $1.38 head-to-head, and GWS paying $3.07. Now, GWS, only six wins for the entire season, but they have been a lot better 
in the last two weeks. Uh, a terrific um, win over a disappointing Essendon and then really took it right up to the Western Bulldogs last week, only went under by a kick. Fremantle, they had the wobbles, but they've steadied again and won their last two games. Uh, how do these sides go against each other? Well, the Dockers have won three of the last four clashes between these two sides. Uh, they've only played in Canberra three times. The record there is one win, which was back in 2019, and a couple of losses. If the Dockers win, they will win back a spot in the top four and with it for double chance. Uh, sorry, that's if they win and one of Sydney or Collingwood lose their games. The Dockers will be back in the top four. So obviously the stake's much higher for them than GWS, for whom the season has been over for a long time. What's going to happen here, Rob? Well, this is pride versus position. Uh, the Giants quite rightly have uh, found something towards the end after a significant direct uh, communication from their coach, Mark Vey. They have discovered their pride and they're quite an awkward proposition and they are playing in their own area. The Dockers, this is interesting for me, Rowan. Um, it's about um, preparation for finals. The travel and condition, right, let's look at David Mundy. All right, do you push David Mundy through this game and that gives him the rest? And there's a number of sides facing this factor. Um, Tabiner and Hobbs, I think they've got very awkward injuries. Uh, not, I'm not sure if they're a test or they, uh, they've been ruled out. Would you, If they're close and they pass fitness tests, would you still take them? And the big question to me is that Fife is very, very close to playing. Does he travel? Do you take him away? So Fremantle, um, okay, they've got an issue with the Giants and the Giants midfield and the and the form of Jesse Hogan and Himmelberg, and you can talk the tactics all the lot. For me, this game is about how are the Dockers going to select their side, given there is a bye, but given the fact that they do need, A, to rest some ageing veterans, and they do need to put games into the likes of Fife without bringing him straight in to a first final. It's a tough ask for him, isn't it? I mean, you know, gee, yeah. uh, no Tabiner, um, no Tracy, potentially yeah. no Lobb and potentially no Fife. Who's going to kick the goals? Well, this is the point. Uh, I, and I'm sorry, another question without notice. Um, they, uh, can, they can go up, can't they, Rowan? Can they... They can push into the... Uh... Yeah, if, if they win and one of Sydney or Collingwood loses, they will end up in the top four. Well, that adds another layer. I thought they might have... Sorry, I should have done my homework. I thought they might have been in the Richmond position where um, they can't go up and can't go down. But this is this adds an, a great dimension to this game and it places even more pressure. I think they'll go with their strongest side available. But you raise a good point. Tabata and Lobb, they've got some very good small players. Schultz, Frederick is an exciting player at half forward. But I tell you what, without the two big blokes, Darcy will shoulder the majority of the ruck. He hasn't got Lobb there to support him. There's so many interesting and uh, question marks. And I, Look, we look at the Giants and the Dockers and say, oh, do we have to review this game? Mate, this is an intriguing game. This is a very intriguing game. The Dockers and uh, the Giants under McVeigh will be desperate to win, right? And the Dockers have got decision time, A, on their travel, B, on their injuries, and C, on their finals hopes to get a top four. Yeah, they're going to have to conjure 
most of their goals from, you know, uh, I guess their midfielders or, yeah, the likes of Frederick and their, their small forwards like Walters, clearly. Walters, yeah. Um, but I'm sort of tipping them to be able to do that, do that because the stakes are so high. They simply have a lot more to play for than um, GWS. And I'm not sure Canberra is a, a big deal for GWS now. They've had some pretty ordinary results there as well. The other thing about them too is their injury list. When isn't their injury list long? I'm just counting the names on it now. It's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen names on their injury list for the final round of the season. Um, they should get Taranto back. Peatling should come back, but you know, Toby Green's gone. Uh, Tanner Bruin's gone. Uh, who else? Daniels, so he was never there. Davis been out now for a yeah. while. Connor Iden, you know, gee, Lockie Keefe, he's done. Uh, you know, gee, they're running out of bodies there. So I'm going Fremantle to win this one. Um, huge occasion for them. I think they'll get it done. Fremantle by 18 points to me. Yeah, I'm very concerned for them. But uh, as I said, one of the more intriguing selection processes for me. Um, I think the Giants are going to have a real, real crack at this. And uh, I think they've been in reasonable form and uh, they're going to win. They're going to win by seven points, the Giants, to finish off uh, what looks like uh, the end of Mark McVeigh's uh, short coaching career because it appears as though... Uh, Adam Uze may well be the next coach of the Greater Western Sydney. So no double chance for the Dockers, says Robert Shaw. GWS by no. seven points. I'm going Fremantle by 18 points. All right, uh, second game Saturday afternoon. Let's head back to Melbourne. All right, uh, sounds like we're recording this from a Avery, Robert. You've got some wonderful wildlife around near your neck of the woods. I can hear the birds chirping all over. Hey, mate, I'm inside with all my windows and doors. <laughs> Look, we've discussed this before. Yeah, we have. Um, yeah, I'm down at my my place down at uh, down the beach, and an amazing array of wildlife, uh, beautiful parrots, uh, everything. So That's great. You, you can hear that. Yeah, yeah, I can. And it's it's very ambient noise. Whereas if fortunately you can't hear mine, because all you hear around my place is uh, garbage trucks. Uh, garbage trucks and people doing house renovations and uh, I don't know, people screaming. I'm in the, the wilds of East Malvern, of course, that'll happen. You know, do look out for the East Malvern boys. They'll I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry if it just is distraction folks but i've got every window and every door closed and looking out here there'd be 15 native birds in the no, bird feed it's, it's magnificent it's, but maybe not greatest podcast rowan i'm sorry no no it's very good i want to, it's making me want to do the sea change thing and i may well do that yeah, all right let's it. talk let's talk footy north melbourne gold coast marvel stadium 2 10 p.m saturday afternoon palmer where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. They have Gold Coast hot favourites, $1.34 head-to-head the Suns. North Melbourne, can they win a third game for the season? They are offering $3.29. North Melbourne can avoid consecutive wooden spoons with a win and a loss from West Coast, who are also on two wins. A Gold Coast win. We'll see the Suns equal their best ever season win tally of 10, which came back in 2014. 
Uh, here's another one I dug up. It'll also put them into the black against North Melbourne. Their head-to-head record against the Roos is currently eight wins and eight losses, and that is their best record against any club. They have a negative win-loss record against every other club in the competition. 8-8 against North Melbourne. Can they move into the black, Robert? Going to be closest because the Suns do have injuries, but um, I'm going to focus on some of the... um, I want to put it to you. Given that the Suns have been... uh, an improving side, but they're still a middle-of-the-road side. I think they'll be desperate to get 10 wins. I think it's a significant statement, and um, I expect them to win. I'll talk about that a bit later. Um, where do you think that the like, given the form of North and the improved form of the Suns, uh, where, where do you think Took Miller and Luke Davies' Uniac would be looked at in Brownlow medal contentions? They have dominated their particular teams as standouts. Um, yeah, I'm assuming more. I'm assuming that Davies Uniac, because North have been poor, he will get a lot of one votes, Rowan. Whereas, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was going to say there was a period there where you just you couldn't win the Brownlow if you weren't part of a very successful team. Yeah. I still think that's probably the case, but it's more possible to do that. We've seen more winners come from non-finals teams in recent years than was happening, say, you know, in the noughties rather than the last decade. So uh, not beyond the realms, particularly Miller, given that they've won close to 50% of their games. But um, you're right, there have been two great performers all season in sides that haven't been tracking that well. You know what? I, I Yeah, I, I think it is important to the Suns to get that 10-win barrier, but I don't think the Roos are without a serious chance. I mean, they've basically lifted their level of competitiveness in the back half of the season. It'd be interesting to see the Clarkson speculation if it's, well, the deadline for them was supposed to be today, Wednesday, as we record this, so probably will be done and dusted that question, yes or no. Uh, If he says yes to them, does that give them a big lift in this game? If he says no, does it have a big impact on their performance? There's another unknown uh, personnel. I, I reckon that's a that's a wonderful point, Ron. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, pers- that's significant for a young team. We've got Alistair Clarkson. I, yeah. I think, and the membership lifts, the office people lift. Yeah, Clarko will be coming in on Monday. Yeah. I, I think this cannot be underestimated. Where the opposite effect could be totally demoralising for this football club. Problem and, is we have yeah. to make our tip before we know the answer to Can that I just question. talk about Rankin and Zerha? You can indeed. Because I'll be excited to watch them because, um, well, they're both exciting. They're medium size. Uh, they can play at a full forward. They can play half forward. I think um, the McDonald, uh, the agitator McDonald will go to Rankin and that'll be a really good battle and they've got a real problem. They've got to look after Larky and they've got to look after Zerha. Where at the other end of the ground, I think Mackay can handle Casbolt and or Chol. And I'm like you. I give North a real chance at this. They'll play quick. They'll play enterprising. Um, they're a quicker side than the Suns. But the point you raised um, should not be 
underestimated. And what are we now? We're at 9 o'clock Wednesday morning. Will we have an answer by the weekend before North Place? I assume so either way. Um, watch the space, folks, because this will have an effect either way. All right. Well, uh, we don't have that luxury, that knowledge. So give I'm us going a- for nor- I'm going for the Suns to win ten games for the year, have their best year based on effort, their physical strength. Even though that Marvel will suit North, it's at Marvel, isn't it? Yeah, it's not in Tassie. Yeah, it is at Marvel. Um, and for the Suns to get over the line in a pretty close game by about fifteen points. Thank fifteen you. points, Gold Coast. Yeah. You don't have to say thank you after giving your tip. It's it's not a speech. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going for Gold Coast by six points. Uh, that is the Saturday afternoon game at uh, Marvel Stadium. Down the highway a bit, uh, there's a twilight game which uh, perhaps should come with a parental advisory. Let's talk about that. 4.35pm Saturday, GMHBA Stadium, the a.k.a. Cadinia Park, a.k.a. the Cattery, sees Geelong taking on West Coast. Uh, the cats wouldn't mind ripping into a few of those birds around your uh, neck of the woods, Robert. Palmer bet where you get tackle busting benefits. <laughs> so Sylvester and Tweedy. Uh, you can get your Palmer bet gives you tackle busting benefits all AFL season. <laughs> I thought I thought a pussy cat. Um, it's actually quite funny, Rod. Listen to Shory and Roko on Footyology. You'll get everything from background noises of garbage trucks, of arguments in the street to the <laughs> Well, the, the wonderful bird life of Swan Bay <laughs> on the Bellarine. <laughs> all right, tackle-busting oh. benefits all AFL season thanks to Palmer Bet. Don't tell me to come on. You're the one who was digressing. Come on. Always I remember know. to gamble responsibly. Uh, Geelong, fair to say they're a hot favourite. They're a scorching favourite. They're paying the phenomenal price of $1.02. Uh, West Coast, not the... Uh, longest price I've seen this season, but close to it, $14.40 you can get on the pretty rank prospect of a West Coast win. Okay, the Cats, they've won 12 games in a row. They've got top of the ladder wrapped up. One more win and 18 wins for the season would be the most games Geelong has won in a season since 2013. Uh, West Coast, uh, whatever happens, this is the worst season in their history. Uh, with two wins. Their previous worst was four wins. Uh, West Coast against Geelong have lost four of the last five. How did uh, West Coast go at Cadinia Park? Appallingly. They've won one of their last 14 games at that venue, and that, of course, was that uh, amazing comeback win in 2006. Even in that game, when they were good, they were 53 points down from memory. Um, their last win prior to that day was 1999, so not even in the current century. One out of the last 14 at Cadinia Park for West Coast. Doesn't recommend their prospects here, particularly not when they're probably going to um, finish second bottom and the other mob's going to finish on top. How ugly, Robert Shaw, is this going to be? Once again, dependent on selection process. I'm quite confident that the Eagles will uh, muster some level of pride uh, after last week, or was that game, you know, just getting up for the local derby? 
That that's their issue, and and the come down from then, and then knowing we've got to go on a plane and go and play Geelong. Uh, this is not good, right? It's not good for ladder position, and it's not good for relative abilities. But I turn the attention to injuries, rotations, and resting. What has still got a significant component of aging players. They will get Mitch Duncan back because they rested him. That's important. They'll look at Stanley in the ruck, but they've all already had a, a I'm down on the ballerine. The murmurings and, and the shuddering and the earthquake that has gone through the Bellarine Peninsula on the back of Jezza Cameron's hamstring has sent reverberations through the Geelong community. They have actually run shit themselves. <laughs> well, and I'm sorry about that, but, mate, he's the best player in the comp. He's been a ripper. And on the eve of a winnable premiership, um, he's out. And they've got, what, this week, a rest. They've got three full weeks to get him right. What a line ball. Well, the prognosis uh, is saying two to three weeks. I reckon three more likely. So this is one. The buy is two. The first final is three. I reckon he's going to miss one final. So it's not the end of the world. It's No, it's not for this team because they have got, as we've seen, they have prepared for this. I know I overplayed it and tongue-in-cheek, but if any side can cover it, it will be Geelong. They could uh, bring Stanley into the ruck. They could push Blixar's forward. They could put a medium-sized forward. We know the likes of Close and Holmes and Stengel have been fantastic. They still have Hawkins. They, I'm not sure of uh, Rowan's situation. And they can also, even though he's been a great success, Mitch Duncan could move from half-back to his more uh, traditional spot of half-forward. And, and also, Rowan, one more. They're in a position now where they can play Patrick Dangerfield as a permanent forward. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Plenty of options. And that's why, you know, it's so much more flexibility with this lineup than Geelong sides of the past, which is why they're a, a better chance. Just quickly on the Eagles, uh, Nat Nui, uh, they're saying here the Eagles will assess whether he's better off being managed. I'd be amazed if they, they bothered playing him. What's the point? Uh, Yo uh, won't be playing. And Petrocelli, Rob, geez, he's quick. Um, be too quick at the uh, Carrillo establishment. Yeah, well, he's not going to be there. Um, there's no way he's going to play. And uh, Andrew Gaff and Jake Waterman both have clouds over them as well. So uh, this is look. The only issue here is how whether Geelong just does gets it done in second gear or or goes hammer and tongs. So I, I suspect they're going to do it in second gear. But even in second gear, yeah, I, I've never gone tipped a bigger margin than this but how can you not i'm going for geelong to win this by 80 points what's your margin i'm i'm a concern i'm gonna take the conservative seat rowan i think they will use this game to um continue to rest and rotate and manage and they also do the opposite with some of these players that have missed a lot of football i.e menegola and i.e parfit they will throw the kitchen sink at them in terms of game time and get the extra minutes into them. So I'm saying Geelong will manage this occasion and um, just do it in regulation, which for me will be probably two goals a quarter and get through with a 47-point win. 
wouldn't two goals a quarter make it a 48-point win? Yeah, but I'm not allowed to do even numbers. Correct, you're not. And why aren't you? I, I don't know. Because you, you do the evens. I know. It's just a stupid little tradition that's emerged on this I podcast. I was about to – I nearly – No, don't do it. Don't I nearly do said it. 48. No. Eight, eight twos. You, you can't. Know, four it's, twos or eight. No, you've got to be odd. It's got to be odd. I, I stuttered and came back to 47. I think this will be a solid – Finals preparation for Geelong, nothing more, nothing less. All right. Okay. Well, speaking about uh, preparation, uh, that's the case for one team in this next game we're going to talk about, which is on Saturday evening. Essendon takes on Richmond uh, on Saturday evening at the MCG, 7.25pm. Palmer bet where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Have the Tigers, not surprisingly, uh, warm favourites. $1.29 head-to-head. Essendon paying $3.64. Essendon has won six games this season. A finalist of 2021 has won six games. Is their worst return since 2016 when they were playing essentially a reserve side. And they've lost three of the last four now. The 84-point loss to Port Adelaide is their biggest loss in the last three years since that infamous day when um, the Western Bulldogs kicked about 67 consecutive goals against them. Uh, Richmond has now won its last three games. Uh, Now, one of the most dominant um, team v. team performances currently happening in the AFL is this one, Richmond's stranglehold on Essendon. How many games in a row do you reckon the Tigers have won against Essendon, Rob? Quick answer. Uh, 13. It's 12. Uh, Essendon's last win was 2014. Uh, Bombers got nothing to play for. Richmond, everything to play for, building up for another crack at what could be a fourth flag in six years. Uh, I reckon this one could potentially get pretty messy as well. What do you reckon? No, I'm the opposite. I think tradition shows us history pressure's off. They've had a big pressure week, Essendon. They've been in the paper. They've been exposed. They've been embarrassed by Port Adelaide. And, Rowan, what do we get then? Oh, we get, well, we, did, we, we get a response. We get decide effort. decide to have a go, yeah. Thank you very much. We decide to have a go, exactly. And, and the last occasion in front of our members, uh, a lot to play for, a lot of pride. Um, but I want to take you inside, and I know, folks, I've, I've had this constant theme, but this buy... Remember the buy, what the buy did for the Western Bulldogs? Mm. They were out with injuries and Libba, I, I, you know, the number of players that the Western Bulldogs had in two, what were they, Rowan? 17? 16? Sorry. Their premiership. So, uh, 2016. 16. Remember how they limped into the buy? Yeah. And yeah. actually the, uh, they all came back. Right. So this buy is significant, but it must be managed well. One of the form players of the competition is Dion Prestia a history of chronic hamstrings. Mm. Cochin, ageing veteran, playing brilliantly. Jack Rewalt, ageing veteran, playing well. Tarrant, Rocket Gibraltar, full back, all 30-plus. Mm. What would you do with them against Essendon knowing that you cannot go down and you cannot go up? You're locked in to seventh position. I'm intrigued by the discussions in match committee for the Richmond Football Club. 
Yeah, no, it's a it's a fair argument. I do think they need to keep the momentum going, though. Uh, just one interesting point here. I've I've written a piece about the Tigers, so I'm I'm on top of this. But yeah, this scenario at the moment is quite reminiscent of them in 2017, which is they've got that forward half pressure back and they're forcing turnovers. But the big improvement now in the last few weeks is they are again scoring from those turnovers now. They've topped 100 points the last three games. They've done it only once in the previous seven games. And two massive factors in this, well, Tom Lynch, 16 goals in three games, doesn't hurt. But two names you wouldn't have thought would be right at the forefront of their revival. Noah Cumberland, who is averaging two and a half goals per game now over the last six games, and Morris Rioli Jr. Now, I saw a really interesting stat courtesy of Champion Data which is points scored from um, forced turnovers through pressure acts. He, in 12 games, has racked up more uh, more points have come via his pressure acts resulting in turnovers than any other player in the competition, and that's from 12 games. The next four players on that list have all played 20 games. His pressure is proving a huge part of what Richmond are doing. He is a pivotal part of that equation. I think Richmond are a serious, serious flag chance. I did see a piece yesterday saying they can't win it because their defence is too dodgy. I understand that argument, but I think they are so potent now in the forward half. They are a big chance of winning this flag still. Um, I reckon they're going to win this game really well, but you give your tip first. You've done a you've done a really big expose. What's your gut feeling or your your information regarding Dustin Martin, Rowan? Uh, ready to come back for the finals. That's massive cream on the cake. And you mentioned Prestia. He's been huge. I think another important thing is Trent Cochin. I think he's playing some really good footy too. Uh, the the defence is a concern. There's no question. Dylan Grimes... Do they get him back or not? That that could end up being the difference. But I still think they're a serious player in this flag race. And look, Essendon, yeah, it's a fair point about Essendon pressures off, so they'll play well. Richmond do need to manage their finals tilt. But I still think the Tigers are going to win comfortably enough. I'm going for Richmond by 26 points. It's a testimony to our football club, and I'll say that, our football club, that we've spent 25 minutes on off the field and 37 seconds on the on what should have been a momentous occasion, probably one of the matches of the day, biggest armies, Essendon versus Richmond at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, and we've given this, uh, this team 30 seconds on field. I think their midfield will stand up. It's deep. They've got them back. Um, but I, I, I've... I've, I've twisted and changed with this all the time. Richmond could quite easily rest these players and Essendon could have a day out and have their first win for 12 or 13 occasions. But I'm going to stick with with you, Rowan. Momentum's important. They are reaching a pinnacle of their form for the reasons you, you uh, elaborated on and a great point on Rioli. So I'll go with momentum continuing, no change, keep the form, then have a couple of weeks off. Richmond by 37 points. All right. Uh, And if you're an Essendon fan and you're not able to tune into this game, you'll know if the Bombers have won when you get uh, an email from the club in your inbox five seconds after the siren trying to flog you some cheap Amart furniture. So look out for that one. 
All right. Uh, <laughs> so I had to get that one in. And uh, let's head to Adelaide for the second Saturday night game. There's going to be a showdown. Remember that great song by the Johnnies, Rob, Showdown? I used to sing this every time uh, there was one of these and I did this for Finey and he hated it and I'm sure our listeners hate it too. But you know what? I hate it. I thought it sounded like you were starting this jailbreak. I thought you were (laughs) going to roll out jailbreak. It does sound a bit like that actually (laughs) now I think about it. And uh, uh, my tribute to the late, great Spencer Jones, lead singer of the Johnnies. Uh, but a showdown, uh, Adelaide Oval, 7.30pm Eastern Standard Time, Palmer Bet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Have Port Adelaide favourite, $1.36 head-to-head. Adelaide, $3.18. Uh, Port, they've won four of the last five clashes now with the Crows. They did lose the first this year, though, by just four points. Head-to-head, it's always tight, these two teams, and unpredictable. And the head-to-head record is 26-25, Port Adelaide's way. So this is showdown number 52. Uh, No matter where they are on the ladder, Robert, and obviously both out of finals contention, but what's going to happen, do you reckon? Well, let's pay a tribute to Robbie Gray. Ah, yes. Very good point. He's... he's, uh... What a wonderful player. And he has provided great entertainment, a, a, a true craftsman, professional, highly skilled, smart footballer, been a wonderful uh, AFL player for Port Adelaide. Um, yeah, you're right about this. You know, you've got Fogarty and Walker up one end are going to cause uh, significant problems. Um, so um, I'm glad they've got a two- or three-pronged attack because last week we saw Essendon leave out – or Stewart was injured and left out uh, – incorrectly left out Young Jones. With left uh, right one out and Aaliyah and Aaliyah with the support of the third man up really controlled Peter Wright. So they're going to come up against Fogarty and Walker, which is a, 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 a much more significant challenge. At the other end of the ground, good to see Georgiades get back into that side – Finlayson was best on the ground. Um, his combination with Dixon uh, has uh, sort of not revolutionised, but it's a, it's an unusual ruck combination, but it's been very, very effective. And, of course, they got Marshall back into that side. So this is a very, very potent forward line. Uh, Rosie, uh, Boak, Wines, good midfield, I think Port Adelaide will be too strong, Ron, or can Adelaide mount a challenge? Well, I think they can. I think Adelaide, you know, look, they beat North Melbourne, but um, they're, they're starting to click, certainly up forward. By the way, did you say Aaliyah and Aaliyah? Is there more than one Aaliyah? Yeah, there is one. Aaliyah, Aaliyah. Yeah, no, you said Aaliyah and Aaliyah. Uh, he can he can uh, go into bat with uh, Inzema Moore Hagen. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> I do know what you mean. Well, I went to say Aaliyah and Jonas, but yeah. Jonas didn't come into my head straight away, so I had to double up. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Um, what was that American TV show with the the, the brothers? Uh, someone and someone. Oh. Uh, I'll keep going. I'll, yeah, I'll think worry. of it. That, it doesn't yeah. matter. We're talking rubbish. Um, I'm the Smothers about. Brothers. <laughs> I know. Was it? No, 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 don't worry about it. Oh, um, no. All right. So uh, injury-wise, McAdam yeah. won't be part of it. He strained a hamstring last week, so That's he's done. 
Miller might be right. He's got a back injury. Uh, yeah, look, I'm really liking the partnership of Fogarty and Walker. Um, they're looking good. That sounds like a a musical duo, doesn't it? It's like Creedence Clearwater and uh, who are the Walker brothers? Oh, this is all stream of consciousness rubbish. You Come deserve on. better than this, Adelaide fans. You're not going to get it from me because I'm just about cooked. Uh, look, they're usually great games to watch, and um, they either tend to be blowouts or really close uh, showdowns. It's quite bizarre. But I think Port, um, even as their finals hopes have subsided, I think they've been really competitive for you know several weeks on end now, and uh, for that reason, I think they're more dependable than the Crows. Uh, I'm going to tip them to make it, uh, what is it, five out of six now in the last few showdowns, and the overall record take that to 27-25 Port Adelaide. So I'm going to go for Port Adelaide by 12 points. What say you, Robert? Bit happening here in the town, Rowan, particularly with the last round of the year, and both teams want to have a win against the uh, the neighbours. So there's a bit going to happen here, and I think it's going to be a very entertaining game. It may well be a very aggressive game because in town the stakes are very high. But I'm with you. I think the quality and the depth and the improved form of Port Adelaide will see them get through in a really tight game in the end by about 21 points. 21 points, Port Adelaide, says Robert Shaw. I'm reversing those digits and coming up with 12 points. All right, there is Saturday. We've got three big games to finish off the home and away schedule on Sunday afternoon. Let's have a chat about them. We're down to Launceston on Sunday afternoon, 1.10pm, Utah's Stadium in Launceston, a.k.a. York Park sees Hawthorne playing Western Bulldogs. Palmerbet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season, thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Have the Doggies favourites. They are paying $1.44 head-to-head. Hawthorne paying $2.81. The Hawks have won four of their last six games. Uh, Disappointing last week, however, against Richmond. Ten-goal belting. And the Western Bulldogs, up and down all year. In fact, over the last uh, couple of months, they have gone win-win, loss-loss, win-win, loss-loss, which means that they're due for a win. And they need a win and Carlton to lose to make the top eight. So a very real prospect of a grand finalist of last year missing finals, which wouldn't be a good result. Uh, How do these sides go head-to-head? Well, the Doggies have won three of the last four clashes against Hawthorne. However, they lost at this same venue last year, and their record in Launceston isn't particularly good. They've only won two. They've lost five. However, their very last appearance at this venue was last year's elimination final against Essendon, where they had a rousing win and uh, that catapulted them onto another successful finals campaign, which pulled up only on grand final day. Uh, Hawks, not a lot to play for here and disappointing last week. Dogs, everything to play for. Uh, And of course, very much a live game because, uh, well, they win this one. Then they sit back and barrack like, you know what, for Collingwood 
against Carlton. Do you think they will be in a position where they even have the opportunity to do that, Robert? Yes, I will, and whether they deserve it or not is highly debatable, and given their form and their latter position over the years, I'm not sure they do deserve it. And I think um, <clears throat> if you're handing out plaudits for uh, fighting the season out, the Bulldogs have just been all over the place. So it's uh, their latter position is a reflection. All right, let's uh, talk personnel. The Hawks, uh, gee, it's a long injury list for them. Uh, Lewis, he's done for the year. Jath is now done for the year. Uh, Bramble, he's been done for a long time. So has Brockman. Uh, who else? Sam Frost, he's been gone for a while. Warple, Wingard, uh, keep Warple going. Warple and Wingard, yeah. Well, and uh, Ned Reeves. Uh, I think we're still getting Tom Brown updates on Ned Reeves' shoulder, but he's done for the season as well. Uh, Josh Morris, he's gone for the year. They've got a few shoulder injuries, the Hawks, but it's a long injury list for them. What about the Doggies? Uh, they'll decide whether Jason Johannesson's done enough to return from an ankle injury, uh, he did it training a fortnight ago. Uh, needs to get through a couple more training sessions yet. Karmas, uh, um, he had a head knock in the VFL last week. Uh, will train this week. Uh, they're the main injury concerns for the doggies. Must win territory for them. They just, I don't know, they're, they're capable of turning their form around pretty quickly. And that's what, they did last season. They had a, a run of outs, including this same fixture, before picking it up again during the finals. And even 2016, when they won the flag, they weren't faring that well late in the season and turned it around. I'm just not getting that vibe with them, though. They've just been too up and down all season and really haven't, even their wins haven't been necessarily convincing wins. So I'm, I'm less than convinced they can turn it around this year. However, I think Hawthorne, given that injury list, given the way they sort of look like they'd checked out a bit against the Tigers, they were jumped right from the start, never a chance. Uh, I think they're just uh, looking anxiously at those uh, plane tickets for the old end of season trip. I don't know, actually, do we, sides don't do that anymore, do they? But um they're looking at a bit of R and R coming up. It's going to be hard to switch on in those circumstances. I'm I'm going for the Bulldogs to at least have the opportunity to barrack for Collingwood. I wonder how Western Bulldogs players and and fans feel about that. They watch their team win and then they've got to sit back and barrack for Collingwood. What are you doing? But it's all for a good cause, and that would be them making the finals again. I reckon they'll get it done. I don't reckon they'll get it done that comfortably, though. I'm going for the Western Bulldogs to win by 16 points. What say you? Three points from me. Well done to Finn McGuinness, who's played, who's found a very, very important role as a run-with player and balances that midfield with uh, the likes of Mitchell, Newcomb, O'Meara. He'll go to McRae in a run-with role. I, the Sicily experiment, looking at him on the ball, was well worthwhile, but because of uh, Norton and these blokes, he'll have to go back to full back. And, of course, the Dogs have got their own issue, uh, given the presentation by the fitness bloke and Mark Bontepelli last week with a groin injury that demanded he play, I'm right to go. Um, watch the space. If he's not right, then he gets the extra week rest it is a risk, but I'm not sure that without Warple, Wingard, Reeves, Lewis, Jath and Frost at fullback, who's been out for basically their whole season, 
I don't think the Hawks have got the tools to mount a challenge. Oh, hang on. They will mount a challenge, but they will have personal personnel issues and the dog's depth and urgency to win this game will get them over the line, Rowan. But um, if it was, uh, if the personnel was even, I would have a strong inclination to pick the Hawks based on the Bulldogs type of year. But, but they haven't not. got the... It's not. Um, so you're tipping it's clearly the not, and they're going to, the and the Bulldogs are going to win by uh, uh, seventeen points. Okay, you know what the best best comment you made in that preview was? I don't even know what I said. Well, yeah. I was using using that phrase, the Sicily experiment, because it just made me think of a great name for like a science fiction movie or something about a a space station growing some sort of monster in captivity. And it's Sicily just, experiment. The Sicily experiment. And it goes disastrously wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it did with uh, with Lynch kicking seven goals. Yeah, it did. And yeah, Lynch, okay. Lynch was the monster. He broke out of captivity and destroyed the Sicily experiment. Rated uh, PG. God, we're talking some rubbish. All right. No rubbish about this, though, because this is one of the most highly anticipated games of the decade. Let's talk about it. Well, no matter where they are on the ladder, they often say this about Collingwood Carlton games when they're trying to make crap games sound interesting, but no need with this one because the stakes are enormous. Can Carlton make finals for the first time since 2013? Can Collingwood not only make finals but have a double chance? It's all on Sunday afternoon, MCG, 3.20 p.m. And in all seriousness, the most consequential clash between these two teams since they met in the 1988 qualifying final. And as I've said, a number, oh, no, we had this discussion, didn't we? You were a young coach of Essendon Reserves. I was a young whippersnapper football reporter on the age and also editor of the Bomber magazine where I had to deal with a mad Essendon Reserves coach called Robert Shaw. <laughs> was, those were the days. Uh, Palmerbet, where you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. In fact, they were betting on that 1988 qualifying final and were offering £2.05 shillings on Collingwood doing that enough. Stop it. Uh, this The betting on this, uh, I think this is the first game this has been the case all year. Both sides, or each of two, Peter Landy would say if he was still around. He's still around. He hasn't died. Uh, Carlton and Collingwood both paying $1.92 head-to-head, thanks to Palmerbet. Uh, the Blues, they're not in great form. They have now lost four of the last five. And since round 11, their record is four and seven, so not great. But actually, that does them a disservice because they were the gallantry levels were off the charts against Melbourne, heartbreakingly losing that game in the last 15 seconds. They will slip out of the eight if they lose and the Western Bulldogs win. And uh, look, whatever you think of Carlton, um, they probably deserve more than that. I think they've had a pretty good season regardless of what happens. Collingwood have had an unbelievable season. They suffered their first loss since round nine against Sydney. But uh, high um, toll with that one, they slipped out of a top four. They slipped a fifth on the ladder. They will get back in the top four if they win those. Simple as that. How did Carlton go against Collingwood? Well, the Pies have won 13 of the last 16 games between those two clubs. And they did win when they last met in round 11. But that was tight. 
They just got over the line by four points. This is such a massive contest, Robert. Should be somewhere between eighty to 90,000 there at least. What's going to happen? Well, there'll be interesting um, selection issues because Sarah's available and so is Williams. Now, Williams has been out with that Achilles injury for some considerable time, but I think he's important. And the reason he's important because it gives them the opportunity to keep going with the winner. And they had a winner last week in Sam Doherty into the midfield, right? He was sensational. But to do that, they still have to strengthen their half-back line. So it's a one-off, must win. So I'm with Williams, I'm with Sarah, and leave Doherty in the middle. And the reason being that Hewitt will still be out and Kennedy, unfortunately, a very strong contributor for them this year, uh, is gone for the year. Well, uh, Collingwood have some major personal issues as well. Of course, Jordan Degoe, a weight withdrawal last week. They're hopeful he'll be back this week, but it's not 100% and they're not going to take any risks. He has a hip injury. And Jack Ginnivan, uh, hamstring injury, uh, subbed out of that game, race against the clock between uh, now and game time. But surely you don't, any hint of a hamstring, you don't play the following week, surely. So no Ginnivan, I would have thought. And Dugowie, well, mm, who knows? Adams, Taylor Adams, he'll need every possible day uh, to get up for this one after a groin injury. So that'd be three pretty consequential outs, you'd think, wouldn't you? And uh, the Blues personnel issues, as you just described. Gee, I've ummed and art about this one. Were Collingwood safe in the top four? I'd, I'd definitely be tipping the Blues, and I, every chance the Blues are going to win. But, I, gee, you talk about Carlton not wanting to blow what's been a great season. Well, ditto Collingwood. I mean, Collingwood, they won all those games in a row, um, had the double chance. Do they want to end up without it, having to play a cutthroat final and potentially being eliminated week one after the season they've had? I don't reckon they want to blow that opportunity either. And uh, I'm I'm leaning more towards the pies. Give us your tip first, though. Just just quickly, I think I'm I'm loving the fact that I'm going to watch the Collingwood back line, the stability of their back line going up against Kernow and Mackay. Um, one very good sign for Carlton last week was the the form and and influence of the enigmatic Jack Martin. That's really critical to this game despite the fact that he'll probably get a um, a Quainer or a Maynard that will really close it down on him. Um, so that's an area of the game. Pitney, look, has he had the same in, influence as uh, De Koning? He went head-to-head with Gorn last week in a very, very physical clash. He's got um, Cox and Cameron for Collingwood. Uh, you've touched on Ginevan, Dugowie, Adams. I think if Carlton produce uh, get Sarah and Williams in and can keep the balance of their team um, and produce the, the, the pressure that they did last week, they can get over the line here. It's going to be a passionate game and we do have two teams, you know, two teams absolutely hell-bent on securing their positions, both with full motivation, both playing in front of 90,000 people, 
Why am I going for Carlton? I, I love what they did last week. They got nutted at the end, but their pressure was awesome. If they do it, they can win by um, by seven points. But I tell you what, they've got to have a, a key move when Bert Thornley comes off that ground. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going back to 1970. Have they got someone that can come on, Rowan? Uh, yes, uh, I think the boy Hopkins could get the job done. So, sorry, you are going for the Blues here. Yeah, I'm eh? going for Carlton, reasonably confidently by, but but when you say confidently, it's such a tight game, but I think the Blues will get over the line. I love what they their contested work last week, their pressure, seven points Blues. Seven points Blues. I'm going for Collingwood by four points. We've just had a message, by the way, from the Italian, entire Italian community of Melbourne who oh. want you to know that the pronunciation is Chera, not Sarah. Uh, we've also a communication from oh, a, come on. Chera. A, a Doris Day from the US who wants you to know that Sarah is, uh, in fact, uh, sort of half a title of her most famous song. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. <laughs> Whatever will be. Sarah will be, will be. Yeah, uh, that's a good get from the 50s, from 1957. That's that, wonderful. Given that I wasn't born until 1965. Yeah, but it does, it, it does give an indication of your music taste. Yeah, or my sanity. Uh, all right, let's talk about the final game. Good luck to Adam Chera. The final of 198 home and away games, Robert. We've previewed nearly 200 games of football this season on this podcast. This is the 198th, and it is between St Kilda and Sydney. It's at Marvel Stadium at 4.40pm Sunday afternoon. Palmer Bet will be there too because they're there for every clash as well. And, of course, you get tackle-busting benefits all AFL season thanks to Palmer Bet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Sydney, a pretty warm favourite this one. Head-to-head, the Swans paying $1.36. St Kilda playing $3.18. What's the situation here for either side? Well, St Kilda, mathematically still a finals chance, but not in reality because they are about 7% behind their rivals. They're not going to make up 7% in the final game. So it's done and dusted for the Saints. And they've been disappointing over the back half of the season. Let's be honest, their record over the last 10 games is three wins and seven losses. Sydney, in contrast, are second on the ladder. And they're going to stay second and host a final at the SCG if they beat St Kilda by more than Melbourne beats Brisbane or unless Brisbane has a big win over Melbourne. Uh, if Sydney wins, they will stay second. And they have won six games in a row now. How do they fare against the Saints? Well, uh, the Swans have won 10 in a row. Uh, and uh, Sorry, did win 10 in a row against the Saints, but the last four clashes have gone two and two. The Swans at Marvel Stadium, they've played there three times this year, lost the first two. Uh, that was against the Bulldogs and Carlton won the last one a couple of weeks back against North Melbourne. Uh, Sydney, well, they need to win to tie up a home final and potentially two home finals. Robert, you'd think that's motivation aplenty. Oh, Sydney won't uh, slip up here. Their form was excellent last week. They're settled, Rowan. Uh, I think uh, without asking you to look, because I think I... Uh, I think they've got the best 
balanced injury list in the competition. They do have a few out, but I wouldn't call any of the players no real concerns at all with their injuries in 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 relation to influential players that you really miss. Um, they're balanced. They're at full strength. And the Saints, well, I think at one stage, 8-2. And so uh, the back half of the year, uh, incredibly disappointing. Yes, on the back of injuries, but once again on the back of some really inconsistent form. A couple of real wins for the um, for the uh, for the Saints have been a, a couple of young blokes, Marcus Windhager, and of course Mitch Owens. Look like there'll be significant future players for for the uh, for the St Kilda Football Club. Uh, the Max King discussion continues to almost almost take Essendon off the front page because there's been a lot of discussion about his um, his goal-kicking mindset and, and even his body language and his competitiveness uh, with, uh, with certainly Ratton initially denying we don't need help. We, you know, and of course backing his, backing his staff, which he has every entitlement to do. Now, you asked me this uh, a few weeks ago. I'm going to reverse it and ask you now. Um, I I noticed that uh, Josh Kennedy, having announced his retirement, uh, he's been sitting on the bench doing a bit of coaching, helping out the horse or getting screamed at by the horse. Um, He is going to continue training in the hope of being available late in the finals should uh, the Swans survive. Is that realistic? Do you think that he could play a part? Oh, absolutely. Given, mate, you're a week away from disaster. Mm. Three three injuries, you know, yeah. second week of the finals. Um, he'll push. He'll do everything possible. And even if he's, what have we got, Ron, 22 and a medical sub. So 23 gets stripped before the game. Mate, what if he's in there 25? That mm. That's perfect. So he will keep doing that. Uh, is an absolute professional, and I haven't put a line through him, and that's why I ask you. In the short term, he wasn't in their best side, but they've got a campaign. It is now, what, the uh, 17th of August, and the grand final is, uh, what's that, five weeks away in uh, the 24th of September. Somewhere along the line, Kennedy could play a part. Yeah, be a great story, wouldn't it? I mean, gee, you know, he's been... Gee, he's been a phenomenal player uh, and a great guy too, you know. So I think we'd all love to see him be part of it. Let's, fingers crossed he can actually do it. But um, I, th- I think it's uh, from what I've observed of him on the bench there, a, a, a coaching career of some sort awaits. I'm sure he'll be very much in demand uh, as the moment he uh, hangs up his boots for the final time. Yeah, look, I reckon the Swans, they, they don't, they're not going to slip up. Um, they are in seriously good nick and they're a, a big uh, shot at it and um, it's all coming together for them beautifully this season and they're going to have a good win here. Uh, not over the top, but I think they'll get it done efficiently enough. I'm going for Sydney by 22 points. What is your odd-numbered margin? A little bit of Essendon about St Kilda. They will lift. They will play, uh, you know, there's a little a fraction of hope, but I don't. I, I think they're going to 
when it's all over, they're going to produce one hell of an effort and really put a lot of pressure on the Saints. So I can see this being a very, very competitive game. I'm like you, not over the top, 21 points. Uh, the Saints and the main thing, get the win and get on the bus to the airport and say we didn't get one injury. So it's the Saints for me, comfortable win, but not over the top. All right. Uh, the Saints for you, you mean the Swans for you? Oh, Swans for me, sorry. Yep. 21 points, yep. Sydney for you and Sydney 22 points for me. So how many have we got different here? Two... Yeah, we've got, uh, no, three. Three differently, but unfortunately, that's not going to be enough for you to make up the difference. Well, I, haven't I won the tipping? No, I think I'm about 13 or so ahead of you. It's <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a fair sort of margin. But, uh, no, look, you went down, you went down, um, you didn't go down with a whimper. You had some brave tipping during the course of this year. We're going to tip during the finals. You so. call it brave. Other people call it Stupid. What would oh, you tip well, them for? No, nah, well, I'm a boring tipster, but I, I'm boringly efficient. I'm like the um, the old West Germany in the old World Cup days, boringly. Oh, efficient. yes. I get the job yeah. done with Horst Hubrech, uh hitting a winner in the penalty shootout against France. What is happening to me? I'm just talking absolute rubbish. No, no you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. absolutely right. All right. Italy, West Germany, you know. You're the you're the Brazil of AFL tipping, and I'm the West Germany. Yeah. Um, all right, that that is it uh, for wow. this preview episode. It's a big one, Ooh. and uh, plenty going on. We will be back to uh, review all these games we've just previewed. Of course, we are here as always for Palmerbet. We're very grateful for their support. Uh, you get tackle busting benefits all this AFL season. Thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. Uh, you can support this podcast at the ACAST supporter platform, and there's a link there in the show description wherever you listen to us, or become, or end, end slash or, become a Footyology patron at one of the many links to Patreon, a wonderful platform supporting independent media, writing and publishing, and there are links to Patreon all over the Footyology website, footyology.com.au. Yes, Robert? Yeah, yeah. Thanks very much, Rowan. And just another one, uh, just to finish a day of absolute mayhem, there actually is a song called Sarah. Oh, yeah, by uh, Fleetwood Mac. There you go. Yeah, that so was... So I'm technically right. Oh, Dan, you've never just planted the worst earworm of all time. That is a shocking song. <laughs> oh, Sarah, oh, yeah. Sarah. No, don't. Let's not end this show with me singing. No one deserves that. Well, All right, right. Good, good show, mate. Wow. Uh, thanks. Uh, yeah, hang up the phone now, Robert. The phone call's over. Um, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone, for your patronage. And uh, we'll be back on Sunday evening to wrap it all up. See you then. Yeah.